In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is there, shall we? Amen. Thank you. Beloved in Christ, we just celebrated the beautiful feast of the Holy Ascension of our Lord. Having fulfilled the dispensation for our sake, He showed us what our destiny is. In the Incarnation, heaven came down to earth. And at the Ascension, that earth that had been united with the divinity in Christ Jesus was brought up to heaven to show us who we are. God united the divinity and humanity perfectly within himself, fully God and fully man. By his love and by being lifted up on the cross, showing us the most wonderful and powerful and righteous way. And then at the ascension, again, as man, not leaving his humanity behind, but as man enthroned at the right hand of the Father, so that we may become like as he is. And as we anticipate the coming of the Holy Spirit, we remember that, For him to be absent from us, so to speak, on earth. We don't need to stand in fear, but we stand always in anticipation of what God has in store for us. Oftentimes, beloved, we forget that God has bestowed the grace of the Holy Spirit, which we will commemorate and talk about next Sunday when we celebrate Pentecost. We forget and we live as if we are those who are caught in between in between the time when something important has happened and something important might happen, or maybe or maybe not, I don't know. But by becoming man for our sake and sanctifying every aspect of life, from waking to sleeping to eating to celebrating and to mourning, we don't live as those who are merely in anticipation of what is to come, but we live in the realization now of what is our our eternal identity in Christ Jesus. We're being transformed into members of the heavenly kingdom and becoming the dwelling places of God even now. If we trust in Him, then we can live as those who are members of heaven, even right now. It depends on where we decide to focus and what we decide to believe and whether or not we're willing to receive the glorious threat of the indwelling presence of God in our lives. I didn't get to give a homily on ascension because it was in the middle of the week and it didn't work out. So I wanted to share a few words reflecting on the ascension this morning. And now I'll turn to talking about the theme for today. On this Sunday, we commemorate the Holy Fathers of the First Ecumenical Council. I'll give a quick overview of this council. Very, very quick. It was convened by the Emperor Constantine the Great in the early 4th century. There were 318 bishops there. And the issue dealt with was 
Arius' blasphemous assertion that the Son and Logos of God is a creation and not of the same essence as the Father. Arius would say that there, of Christ that there was a time when he was not. The same synod ruled on the dates of celebration of Pascha and the symbol of the faith, the Nicene Creed, began to be drafted. And so out of this comes the stalwart proclamation of the believers in the Lord Jesus that he isn't of similar substance with the Father, but he is of one essence, of the same substance as the Father, that Jesus is very God of very God, not like God, but is God. It's always been the prerogative of the church to speak truthfully and prophetically, especially when, by temptation, men are drawn to turn God into a, a figment or a concept, a figment of their imagination or a concept that they can understand rather than seeking to be inspired by the grace of the Holy Spirit and speaking as those who have been taught by God. There's a beautiful word in the New Testament, theodidakti, theodidakti from, you've heard of theos, God, and didactic, you heard of didactic, means to teaching. And there's a sense in which each of us is called to become theodidakti, those who are taught by God. I want to be one who is taught by God. Not by men and men's concepts, but those who are taught by God continue the work of the prophets and the apostles in the church, speaking the truth as demanded by the times, in order to continue to reveal that the foundation of our life and reality and our identity has not been lost. To continue to call people home. To return to the firm foundation, the sanity that is life in Christ. So I'd like to talk about that a little bit today. I call the theme of this homily, the seamless garment of Christ, the theology of the church. And as much as we would like to consider ourselves to be intuitive beings, in tune with the mysterious source of existence, aware of that which is beyond articulation, the reality is that we are rational creatures as well, and, and this by God's design. We were created to come to the knowledge of God, much less to know about God and much more to know God with an intimacy that can only be likened to an ever-deepening union, closeness, unconditional love, and even wordless wonder. Wordless wonder before God. We were created with the capacity for true knowledge, with the faculty that we refer to as the noose. And this is a biblical word, sometimes translated in a confusing way as intellect, but it really, noose in Greek would be N-O-U-S in English, and it's translated as mind, consciousness, thought, intellect sometimes. But in the understanding of the church, it's the faculty given by God to man that allows man to have direct perception of God. 
And so we're created with this faculty for true knowledge, which means direct perception. But we were also created with the ability to choose whether or not to have that direct perception. We have free will. And we have the ability to articulate, to speak, and to explain. And these are both God-given creative capacities that can be used to ever deepen our experience of Him or to create idols of our own making in place of Him, sometimes even using His name. In order for us to have the true freedom to know and to love God, we have to have the ability to exercise our will freely. And we see the affirmation of this will in today's liturgical theme, the commemoration of the fathers of the First Ecumenical Council. By exercise of the will, we have come to manufacture, to create thoughts and preferences and agendas far beyond, or we might say beneath, what God has revealed to us. This exercise of the will has been adopted by people as a means of self-authority or autonomy, as I said, often even using the name of God. But it's a corruption of our creative capacity and has resulted in the many idolatries of the mind and the creation of concepts that find their origin not in God through Christ by the Holy Spirit, but as an attempt to redefine or rediscover or recreate the truth that has been revealed in Christ. Or we could say to rationalize what has been revealed in Christ Jesus, to make sense of the mystery with our mind, but not with our heart. And these attempts have often often resulted in the origination of new doctrines that have served as the basis for entire systems of beliefs that have separated themselves from the living tradition held within orthodoxy. Think about the 40,000 different denominations that all believe different things, but they're all reading from the book and using the same words. It's very confusing. And this has been going on since the inception of humanity, it seems. And it's been pronounced from the incarnation of Christ and the establishment of the church. In the Orthodox Church, we live our theology. We believe what we pray and we pray what we believe. But we also strive to bear witness to the authority of truth revealed in Christ himself, passed down through the ages, formulated and articulated often mystically and poetically by our God-inspired forebears. Father George Metalinos says that the church as a community of saints uninterruptedly delivers from generation to generation the one Christ, the true Christ, in the midst of the various heretical forgeries of him. This is accomplished through the sermons and poetic writings of the Holy Fathers, the ecumenical councils, the liturgical practice, and the spiritual lifestyle of the struggling faithful. The very words of Christ presented in yesterday's gospel reading reveal something to us about the authority of truth. Christ said, the Lord said to his disciples, It says, the Lord said to his disciples, the words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Christ our God, the embodiment of truth, claimed authority not in and of himself. Even the one who is truth did not claim authority in and of himself 
but always pointed to the Father. And this reveals to us the importance of a, the living continuity of truth and that truth is received, not manufactured, not contrived. The acceptance and articulation of truth to the world, which first happened in the person of Jesus Christ, now happens through his body, through the church. Christ is a relationship of mutual abiding with the Father. He is one with the Father. And those who constitute the church abide in Christ in such a way. In fulfillment of Christ's high priestly prayer, read in today's gospel passage, a prayer offered for us, really, that they may be one, even as we are one. This unity is something that has been fought for spiritually and theologically from the beginning of the church. Martyrs bore witness to the unity of the faith and were willing to die for it, you see, adhering to their belief in the unity of Christ, to the Holy Trinity, to the revelation of God and His mysterious incarnational action in the church from the beginning, which truly reconciles all men to one another. In this regard, I like to say, look around at one another and think, if it weren't for Christ uniting us together in His church, would any of us ever be hanging out together? Maybe some of you, but what a great wonder and what a miracle it is that God has brought us together. Unique and diverse though we be. Today's commemoration of the fathers of the First Ecumenical Council represents a significant event in the articulation of doctrine of the truth as revealed and articulated through the church, which can only be spoken with the humble authority of the church. A couple of the hymns for the day reveal the nature of this situation. They go like this. The preaching of the apostles and the doctrines of the fathers confirmed the one faith in the church and wearing the garment of truth woven from the theology on high, she rightly divideth and glorifieth the great mystery of piety. In the lofty preaching of the church of God, let us hearken as she crieth, he that thirsteth, let him come and drink. The cup which I bear is the cup of wisdom. Its drink have I mixed with the word of truth. I pour forth the water, not of contention, but of confession. As Israel doth now drink thereof, it beholdeth God who saith, See, see that I am he, and have not changed. I am God, I am first, and I am hereafter. And beside me there is no other. Hence they that partake shall be filled, and shall praise the great mystery of piety. Those hymns are called the Kentakion and Ecos for the Sunday of the Holy Fathers. And I'm reminded of the words of the Holy Apostle Paul. As many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And the church is the body of Christ. Christ cannot be divided. Therefore, his body cannot be broken into separate parts. And the seamless garment of Orthodox theology is the raiment with which the mystery of Christ is presented to the rational world. Did you hear that? The unifying, the seamless garment of Orthodox theology is the raiment which the mystery of Christ, with which the mystery of Christ is presented to the rational world. It's presented as a revelation from God to man, to those who would be taught by God. And not wanting to speak 
not having any knowledge of the truth in and of themselves, but being inspired to think with the authority of God. It's a mystery that's revealed, but also a revelation that cannot be compromised. And we don't use the word mystery in order to dilute the truth. We can have a little too much fun with that word mystery. Why do you do that? Eh, It's a mystery. Try not to give in to that temptation. Humbly stand before the absolute wonder of the God who is truth. And say, I want to be taught by you, God, while yet not understanding the grandeur of your transcendence. We want to be careful not to over-spiritualize our existence and pretend that God did not become man most truly, as what Arius and other heretics were tempted to do. To suffer a shameful death on a cross, arise as the self-same incarnated and crucified God-man, and ascend in His glorified humanity to heaven, to the kingdom of eternal life and unending love and of true union. When we pray, when we truly pray, we only pray by means of the one who became man for our salvation. The one in whom heaven and earth are united. When we pray, when we speak, when we live, when we act, remember it's in him and him alone that we live and move and have our being. And the church as the body of Christ must bear witness to the unity of Christ as God in the face of a still unbelieving generation, one that is thirsty for the water of truth. We have to offer the opportunity for healing, for return, and for identity. This is a strong conviction that we hold. And that's why so many people have given up so much to unite themselves to Christ in the church. And you may not be called personally like those holy fathers of the first ecumenical council. You may not be called personally to explain the mysteries of the faith faith, using fancy, untranslatable words. But you very well may be provided the opportunity to share the reason for the hope that you have. And actually, beloved in Christ, our, our whole, the whole of our life should be an ongoing sharing of the reason for the hope that we have. I was thinking about it this morning. For a Christian person to open his or her mouth in any way should be to share the gospel. Even if you're saying good morning, or how can I help you? Or forgive me. Every word that you speak, you don't have to do that Christianese, as they used to call it. Jesus this, Jesus that, trying to convince yourself of what you really believe. No, doing flows from being. So become the throne of God. And out of humility before the great wonder of the God-man who teaches us what we need to know and say, speak authentically. And bear witness to the hope that you have. Don't be afraid. Don't deprive someone of the opportunity of encountering the love of Christ through you.
we should hear and be inspired by the beautiful exhortation of St. Peter. He says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. To speak of God is to speak in fear, beloved. But the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. You know that. In light of the beautiful reflections inspired by today's gospel reading and the commemoration of the fathers of the First Ecumenical Council, we all should find inspiration to both live and speak as Christians. Not to pretend to be. Be, do not pretend to be. We should hear the words of our patron and put them into practice. St. Paul says, Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. And as my spiritual father would say, if you want to be a Christian, live as a Christian. That's a good word. If you want to be a Christian, or we could say if you want to claim to be, don't, don't claim to be. Be. If you want to be a Christian, live as a Christian. Our word and our deed should be united. Our commitment to the unity of the faith should be galvanized. And our desire to speak the truth in love should be inspired today. So beloved in Christ, may we have the prayers of our Holy Fathers who were luminous stars upon the earth, who were theodidacti, And may Christ, our true God, who heals the infirm, who fills what is lacking, who gives hope to the hopeless, who sheds light in the darkness, may He ignite in us the divine grace so that we might be as candles lit, bearing the fire of the Holy Spirit everywhere we go, humble enough to share the light, confident only in the sufficiency of God's grace, radiating the light of Christ at every moment and adorned with the garment of truth, woven from on high. Through the prayers of our Holy Fathers, may the Lord Jesus Christ, our God, have mercy on us and save us. Amen.